1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. I am a recent graduate of UTC. I graduated this past June of 2023 with a Bachelor of Communication mm-hmm. in uh, with a minor in political science as well. Okay, that's awesome. And Richard, tell us about yourself. Marlon and I started working together because he was, as he says, a student and he was an intern at the radio station. Question was, what do you do with him? You know, <laughs> And I wanted it to be something that he could learn from and that would be... Ch- not necessarily challenging, but interesting and engaging, mm. you know. What we took on was bigger than either of us uh, had any idea. The number of people who are homeless in Chattanooga mm. has increased exponentially since COVID, naturally, but it's, it goes back to the 80s, you know. Mm. And it's a long-standing pro- uh, problem, and it's a very difficult one to get a handle on. And okay. we spent a lot of that 18 months that you mentioned Figuring out how we're going to tell this story because mm-hmm. it's a complicated story. And while it's true, as people say, you know, that everybody's story is different, of course it is. It's mm-hmm. as different as yours and mine. Just a whole host of challenges when you're not housed, mm-hmm. when you're living on the street, mm-hmm. you know. And what we have discovered and what pretty much everybody has said to us, that's the first step. Get people into housing. When you get people sheltered, then you can start working on all of the other issues that led them to be unsheltered in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So that's what y- you guys discovered together. First of all, you took on this project. It was bigger than you could have ever imagined. And uh, 18 months later, huge. Huge. it's huge. Yeah. And you've been going around talking to people who are living outside of their homes, outside of a home, and finding out what their stories are. That's true. And okay. at the same time, talking to the people who work with them. Uh-huh. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, let's start with some of the stories that you've heard for those that are on the street. Now, you're speaking with them. That's part of your podcast. So what are some of the stories that you're hearing that maybe got them into this place in the first place? Mal, could you sure. address that? Well, you know, um, living an unsheltered life can come up unexpectedly. It can come up at any time. And I've heard too many times, and so has Richard, that, you know, it could happen to any one of us. Mm. And some people that we've met on the street have said, I would never have expected to to be here. I I would have said to myself a couple of years ago, I could never be unsheltered on the street. But they they happen, and it happens in, in unexpected ways. I once sat in a tent on 11th Street um, with a man who had unfortunate circumstances in prison 
and ended up serving 30 years uh, of his life there for, for a rather heinous crime. And afterwards, he, he made me jewelry in, mm. <laughs> in his tent. He was, he was a very nice individual. And it just, the, the, the people there that you meet have completely different backgrounds to those that you see on everyday life. Okay. So those are some of the things that you that you learned and saw as you met with these people um, that are without shelter. Uh, what what motivated you guys to do this project in the first place? How did you come up with this particular idea? I think um, we're, we're all aware that there are homeless people mm -hmm. in Chattanooga. Um, there have been various initiatives, you know, they wanted to keep people off the street. So then they said, well, we'll, we'll use parking meters. And we put money in the parking meters and the money that goes into the parking meters can go t to the homeless uh, population so they won't um, be out uh, asking for money on the street. You see people just mm -hmm. slumped on the street, don't you? Yes. All over town. Mm -hmm. So... It, it's this curious thing of uh, it's highly visible and at the same time it's invisible. Mm. Most people walk past them and don't even see them. You know that's their that's one of their biggest complaints. And the striking thing is that they are as mixed as the population. They're as young as teenagers, younger than teenagers. Mm. We've met many families with young children, mm. children even preschool. Mm. We have met many people who are in their 60s and older. Of the two, it, I think I have, well, I, actually, I was going to say I have more sympathy for the older people, but that's not necessarily true. I think for everybody, no matter what age they are, it's a terrible challenge to be living on the street. We met a family where, um, where a man and his wife and their three children lived on a tent, in a tent, up on uh, Signal Mountain for about three months this summer. So how do you explain to your children that you're living in a tent? They try to make it into, you know, we're, we're, taking, we're having a break, we're going to take the summer and, you know, we're going to camp, camp, you know. But it, it, it was clearly wearing on him. And the reason that they were in that situation in the first place is because he had a job, he had a good job running a restaurant and he lost his job. He didn't have, uh, you know, very, very much in savings. And so, as you can imagine, once the, the weekly paycheck disappears, Everything spirals really quickly. Mm. That is a common theme. We've met that with people over and over again. You know, that, mm. uh, as Mal said, they didn't expect it. And it was almost as if overnight they went from functioning, living in a home, working a job, to not having the resources they need and the landlord telling them they have to leave. And mm. It's a spiral. Up in a tent on the street. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're hearing from uh, Mal O'Connell and, and Richard Winham talking about the homeless population here mm -hmm. in Chattanooga. And as we're um, just continuing our, our conversation, there are people that are listening intently going, well, what can I do? How can mm -hmm. I be involved? How can I maybe help in some ways? And, and I'll ask both of you, uh, what do you want our listeners to know about how they could get involved? Well, to answer Tabby's question, why did, why did we first do it? Uh, it's, it's for that very reason, the same reason you're asking, Tom. We wanted to do something. What can we do? Well, we're broadcasters, so that's what we do, mm -hmm. you know, and if we can make people's situation um, apparent, if we can talk about people's situation, 
What do they need? The um, Chat Foundation. Yes. Uh, it used to be called the uh, Community Kitchen. Yes. As you can imagine, with that name, food is a big thing for them. And anybody who can help with uh, donations of food, especially fresh food mm-hmm. and fresh vegetables. Okay. Um, fresh bread. Anything, you know, that, that has a really short shelf life. And so they go through it really quickly. We talked to uh, to Danny. He's the chef in the kitchen. He serves meals to around 300 people a day. Mm. And he was working until recently when they refurbished the kitchen. He was working on the same kind of stove that you have in your kitchen, mm. serving, <gasps> serving meals to 300, 300 people. people. <laughs> wow. So I think um, to answer your question, Tom, the, the biggest need is probably food. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the most immediate need, you know. I would also argue that there needs to be more advocacy against the idea of not in my backyard. Some situations that ha- that have occurred, um, especially now as as developments are being made in the city to improve the lives of unsheltered people, there seems to be a stigma of I don't want this in my backyard. I don't want this around my children or my families. I would also like to raise the question, as we we've had the question raised to us, where else, where where would you suggest that we we help the unsheltered, other than right here where they grew up, where they lived, where they are supported by family and friends, or they're without support. Mm-hmm. These individuals need you on the street in Chattanooga, and they need you to fight for them. Wow! And the short answer to that really is. Uh, you want the city to help people because you don't want homeless people on the street mm-hmm. and they will be on the street until the city is able to do something and the city is planning to build, for the first time, an overnight shelter that will accommodate many of the people who are right now spending the night on the street. So okay. it's it, it, to everybody's benefit for the city to do these things and they want to... They're talking about putting the shelter in the section of town that's called Onion Bottom. I've heard of Onion Bottom. And the reason that that has always been a place where uh, unsheltered people gathered because back in the 40s, it was a railhead. Mm. Mm. It's also the reason it's called Onion Bottom is because that's where they used to bury the trash. Mm. And the trash uh, self-combusts. And so it's burning under the ground, and so there's a smell of onion in the air a lot of the time. That's why they call it that. Ah, <laughs> my goodness. Okay, I didn't know that backstory about it. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for what you both have done as broadcasters and bringing this to light, something that you said they often feel invisible, those uh, people that you have talked to and encountered, these individuals going through a very difficult thing in their lives You've made it visible um, for for us and worked alongside other organizations like Chat Foundation. We work alongside them mm-hmm. as well with the food drive. And uh, we just want to say um, that we appreciate this. And we hope that those who are listening will find their way, their unique way. Like you said, number one thing is food. But mm-hmm. there are other aspects mm-hmm. maybe that they can be a part of jobs, housing and uh, even legislation. Thank you. Well, let me tell you, Tammy, when we when we uh, talk to uh, Danny, he said that your food drive is their principal source of food every year. Mm-hmm. That you provide, you and your listeners provide the food that's the foundation for the meals that they serve for the rest of the year. Wow. 
So yourself and your listeners right now are making a big, big difference to the people that you're hearing about. That's good to know. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you both, Richard and Mal, for being here on Mornings with Tom and Toby. God bless you both. Thank you. Pleasure.